You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Into the two stars one cup podcast here on the hockey podcast network i'm shippy and as always i'm joined by craig ludwig Luds, how you doing today man kind of like groundhog day isn't it for the dallas stars uh yeah a little bit i mean they're lucky to get one point it seems out of you know some of the bottom teams and then if tampa's in town or they're playing tampa it does not go their way uh, Andre Vasilevsky seems like the stars can't solve him, although they did get an early first period goal out of Rope Hints. Um, you know, it's it's been a really tumultuous season for the for the Dallas Stars. They haven't won consecutive games dating back to January uh, when they got the season, um, you know, going. What's been, I guess, the biggest thing that you've seen from this Dallas Stars team in terms of what's caused these struggles? Because They've played – it seems like they put together one good period, and then even like last night against Tampa Bay, they just seem to sit back. And then Rick Bonus after the game, says, you know, you can't sit back and, and let a team like Tampa just take shots at your goaltender. Is that a coaching philosophy thing, or is this something that the players are just somehow getting into a, a habit of doing each game? Well, that's a, that's a big that's a big box I'd jump into there. Um <laughs> You know, I guess to answer your first part, inconsistency is definitely a concern. Um, I just I get the feeling that the urgency meter doesn't register until they're down by a goal or two, or it doesn't seem to click in halfway through a game, sometimes not even into the third period when they're down by two goals. And so my concern would be, you know, being able to consistently get off to a good start and and, and pin teams ears back early on in the game. And I know they got the first goal last night, um, you know, and, and, but again, I, I think sometimes it's messaging. I mean, Rick Bonus is a, is a smart guy. He's been around forever. They've played really well under this guy. So you don't just forget how to coach or how to motivate overnight. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there are times that I see, I think what happens with a lot of teams is it, it, for me, it always goes back to identity and, you know, there's times that I see when they're not scoring goals or they're not going in, whether they're snake bit or it's the wrong guys getting the chances. You know, a lot of times, you know, Rick made a comment last night on the five on three, you know, he had it and he made a, a point of stating it. My best players were on the ice. So the bottom line is my best players need to be my best players. Yeah. And so I, I think what he's saying is, I don't know if he doesn't include what well, I would. I mean, Rupe Hintz is one of your best players, and, and he's doing it. I think it's what he's saying is his veterans, and, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get more, squeeze some more out of the, you know, the Jamie Benz and, and guys like that. That the guys that were re- leading in the playoffs last year, the reason that they got to word, and so you need more out of those guys um, in an offensive standpoint. I think he expects those guys to, you know, to, to bear down and score some goals, and then you can go ahead and if you want to throw in the the guys that are out, 
you know, and I guess you can use that. But again, I don't think this organization or team has ever been about excuses and nobody else has either. But again, I look at it when you're having a hard time scoring goals and, you know, the philosophy has been, and it was a big reason why they made it through the playoff rounds last year was getting the defenseman involved. He brings it up a lot. You know, we, we need that. We need the D to contribute and be up there. And so you've got Haskin and you've got Klingberg, Lindell, Jamie Oleksiak, and, and they're up ice all the time. And, and I think sometimes they lose sight of when and where. Um, because I go back three, four games, and their defensemen were the cause of some goals, in my opinion, against. And, and I don't look at Hugh Dobin had a bad game or Ottinger had a bad game. I don't like the chances that they give up. And that's part of the, you know, that's the fine line of being available offensively. You know, Alexiak on one of them a couple games ago, he turned the puck over at the offensive blue line. Essa Lindell made a couple mistakes in his own zone trying to jump into the play. John Klingberg, we know he's up the ice. So when goals aren't going in, you maybe have to play a game that's going to be a 1-0 game, a 1-1 game, a 2-1 game. Last night was a good game. But you, you go back to Vasilevsky, how good he was last night. If I'm John Cooper this morning, and if I'm Rick Bonus this morning, <clears throat> you typically do this in in playoffs. And when in it, the old school is the, the billboard material. And when another team in the playoffs makes some kind some kind of a comment um, that you're going to play, you know, again, I always say you play the same team for you know 14 days. You play them every other day. You don't give the the other team any ammo. And I mm -hmm. think last night. When Vasilevsky said it was the easiest game that he's ever played. Yeah. Because we only faced seven shots and, you know, and my guys in front of me. I mean, it was a compliment to his players, but I think the way it came out is I, I'm hoping it's motivation for the stars that, right. that they're going to say, oh, is that right? Well, well, we'll show you what an easy game is not like then. So I'm looking at this could be a turning point for him. Um, they haven't done well against Tampa Bay. Nobody else has either, let's right. be honest. Um, right. Tampa's one of the best teams in the league. But but again, for an offensive-minded team, I, I believe that's – well, I, I know they're a good defensive team. They're kind of a good all-around team, Dallas. But a team that wants to keep talking about goals and goals and goals, I, I think you have to be careful sometimes how hard you're pushing for those goals. You kind of have to play the game that's being dictated at the time. And you always want to you know lead out with, with your game, and I get it. Um, but to me – there are times that I, I think that, and I look at what happens in front of our goaltenders. I, you know, I'm, I saw a couple of a power play goal the other night where our two defensemen are, are on the outside of the net. Their forwards stand right in front of Hugh Dobin. They stand right in front of Ottinger. And, and again, they may be telling them that. They may say, listen, if you get in there and you create a battle, then I have to look through a whole nother set of legs and another big body. I'm not of that mindset. I think you make it difficult on people that are at the front of the net. Um, they haven't been getting sticks off the ice. It's the reason there's tip-in goals in front of the net. So I'm always harder on defensemen, as you can mm -hmm. tell right now, because yeah. I think that's kind of a backbone of a team. And I think when you start drilling down into things and you look at some of the chances that have been given up, uh, let's not let's not get too quick to jump on our, our goaltenders. It's the help that they need in front of them. Yeah, and I think you know, I think just because this team has you know been built off of its uh, defensive prowess, like I think a lot of people are quicker to. Um, I think they're quicker to, to blame the goaltender because, you know, we've just kind of been told like, well, this is a defensive minded team. And, you know, you know, even all six defensemen, especially the top four are really solid top four defensemen. But it sounds like you're not really seeing that same. Cause I honestly, like when I watch them, I thought that, you know, defensively they've been, you know, decent. Like I didn't think that they're defensively, I don't notice things like that. Like you just talked about, you know, the defensemen 
standing on the outside of the net and maybe that being a philosophy thing, would that be from Hudobin? Would that be him saying like, Hey, maybe, or would that be a coaching thing or, or, or would it be the defenseman? Uh, you know what? At some point, I don't. I don't always tell or believe that coaches. I mean, these guys are all professionals. They've been in the league for a long time, and and they know what they're doing. They're great players, and sometimes it's in the room, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. you have to recognize that. But they all watch video. <clears throat> they they right. watch it all. They watch it when they come on the bench every time. So, um, but again, I, I just it, it's just my it's it's the way that we've had success that I've been part of teams that have had success and yeah and, and again it, it's a different game today. I, I understand that. But when you've got a team like Tampa Bay, for instance, that is one of the best teams in the league, and they changed their identity a year ago to be harder to play against, they went out and made some moves, they paid off for them, they win a Stanley Cup, and you're always going to use the Stanley Cup team as the, you know, you know the the benchmark. Um, right. They're hard to play against. They're they're not necessarily an in your face gonna gonna play that kind of a. Uh, heavy game all the time. They're a puck control team. They love puck possession, and that's part of their mo. They they don't. They, you watch what they put pucks in areas and people skate into them. They always have five guys in a frame, but you don't see the kind of chances happening in front of the net at Tampa Bay's end. Although when you're only getting seven shots a period or in two periods, that's part right. of the reason is because they have the puck all the time. Um, but when there are opportunities in front. You know, when McDonough was there and, and with, with Sergachev and, and obviously Hedman, it's difficult for those guys to get second and third opportunities after the initial shot. You know, you'll see the odd time there's, you know, an extra chance or another one. So they're finding ways to put goals in the net because they're skilled and they're, you know, they're a really good club, obviously. But they're also making it a little bit difficult. I mean, if you read between the lines of what Vasilevsky is saying, He's basically saying they didn't have any chances last night. Well, that's not yeah. just because they had the puck the whole time. Dallas gets into the offensive zone. So, you know, they've got to do their part in making it a little bit more difficult. Um, I'm a big 50-50 puck guy. I mean, look at the 50-50 battles during a hockey game, and if you win the majority of them, you probably are, are coming out on the right end. And so I don't know how many of those they won. But more importantly, if you're trying to score goals, you got to get to the hard areas and you got to get some ugly goals. I mean, you look at the way Hintz has scored his goals. I mean, a lot of them are by driving the net. Yeah. You know, but you, you do it often enough, you're going to get breaks. So, but again, I, <clears throat> that's one area. I mean, again, when when things aren't going well, you can start to pick the game apart. And you got to just start picking and drilling down on the things that you believe are going to give you your best chance. And so, you know, if you're going to continue to have five guys in the rush and offensively, if that's your mindset, um, you better have a Vasilesi at the other end of the rink. And, and that's kind of where I was a long time ago when, when Dallas was one of the top scoring teams in the league. And I think we've talked about this and, but they weren't running any games though, but, but our weakest point was our goaltending at that particular time. And so I, I, I think you prop up your weaknesses. You don't exploit them. And, and so that I'm not saying that the goaltenders here are weaknesses, but I think that they, there needs to be more, more confrontation in front of our own net and not, not the, the shots from the point that go in or a shot in the slot that shouldn't, that they should be contested. Um, and so you just have a healthy balance, I guess, you know, maybe dial in, maybe you read your situation. Don't be giving up outnumbered rushes. Anytime for me, anytime a defenseman is chasing back to his own net, he's made a mistake or, or it, the game is out of hand and you're looking for that, that extra goal. And, and sometimes uh-huh. you take, you have to take chances. So, but, but again, I, I really do believe that I go back to the first thing I said, they, they've got to get, they got to get dialed in quicker in the game. Earlier in the game, they, they've got they get that first goal. Don't take your your foot off the gas, but be smart about it. Don't don't start opening up the door for another team to climb back in. And that's the thing too that I feel like has been, I guess it's even been before Rick Bonus that it kind of seems like. I mean, I guess not Lindy Ruff days, but um, it really seems like 
the stars, once they get that lead, especially when it comes down to the third period, I mean, you go back to even that, that crazy game seven for Ben Bishop against the St. Louis blues. You know, it seems like the stars just have this habit of going into this shell and just trying to protect, even if it's, even if it's a tie game, it's like sometimes they do take off their foot off the gas, even if it's super early in the game. Is that a coaching thing? Cause I, it's, it seems like it's been that way with, even with Hitch, Monty, and then now bonus that, you know, when they get that lead, even if it's the second or third period, they do kind of sit back. You know, if, if uh, they, they try to have shorter shifts, you know, they dump the puck in and, you know, and get the next line out. And it seems like they do take their foot off the gas and kind of just give the puck up. Is that what is that a player's thing or is that a coaching philosophy thing? Or I do think it's more a player's thing because I don't think that's the way Rick Bonus and his stash coach. I don't think that I definitely know that's not what Hitch wanted to do. Hitch didn't want to go into a shell. I mean, that was a term that we used a long time. And we did. There were times that, you know, we were up a goal. But what happens is you you have you have Hall of Fame goaltenders and, yeah. and so you rely on them too much and 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 they do that. And you know, so I, I just I don't I know it's not they don't want to spend the whole time in their own zone. That that's not the way the game is today. They they want to be on their toes. And I'm just yeah. saying I, I think you've got to be a little bit more uh time and score, smart about where you are. Um make sure that that the play is moving up ice before you're jumping into a play. Don't necessarily always be leading a play. But again, when you have the skating ability of a John Klingberg and a Haskin and guys like that, it's hard for them not to, to lead the rush. But again, you know, you're going to, everybody's going to point back and say, man, look at all the goals that they scored uh, on their run to the playoffs. And that's true, but there's a lot of other factors that came into the playoffs last year. And you can even talk about how they scored at the beginning of the season, but their power play was on fire and, and everything they were doing on the power play went in. But I, but I think that even this season, when, when after the, the beginning where they were scoring all these goals, look at how good your goaltender was. Hugh Dobie, Dobie was unbelievable at the start of the year. Hugh Dolan was the reason or one of the main reasons they made it to the to the finals last year. And they yeah. were winning games. They were coming back from three goal deficits and going down and scoring. And, and that was by necessity. They had to. Um, and Hugh Dolan left him in there. But there were a lot of barrages of pucks and quality scoring chances. And I'm talking about the second and third opportunities that Hugh Dolan was making. And we've seen Ottinger do that, too. We've seen Hugh Dolan do that, too. And that's what I mean. Let's not be too quick to say that the goaltenders aren't aren't doing their part because I, I just look at sometimes it's perception, you know, and I can, I can look at things and say, man, that, how does that goalie let that goal win? And you'll be mm-hmm. sitting next to a goalie coach and they use that word all the time. And I, I finally got dialed into it a few years ago. You, you really don't know when you see a, a goal that you think is a bad goal, you really need to be in the mask of the goaltender. There may be something that, that there was something in his way or, you know, so there's different, there's different things that come in the picture. So I, I don't like jumping on goaltenders. Um, because I've never played the position. I don't know how to coach the position. <laughs> I just know when I watch Hugh Dobin play, and I use Doby a lot because I, I, mean, I really grew to love that guy last year. The way that he's a battler, and he, he doesn't quit on pucks. And there were there were a couple times, uh, and it was last week, <clears throat> there was one goal in particular that went in, and our defensemen were on the outside, and he kind of had to look around uh, the forward that was standing right in his face. And, and it was a goal. They scored the goal, but I didn't see him battle. And, and typically he's looking around, he's standing up, and he's very active trying to find sight lines for the puck. And that was the one time I kind of I went back and I looked at it and I thought, he wasn't battling like he normally does on that. And, and and I have no idea if this is it. I'm like, is he finally just – did he get to the point where, like, dude, these guys are in my face all the time. Yeah. Like, and somebody helped move him. I don't know that at all. And it could have been – he could have been fatigued. And that's the other thing i got to talk about. 
you know, with everything that happened with the COVID and the weather and all this other stuff, they're in a spot. I told your, your buddy Heike there. I told Heike uh, um, a, a few weeks ago, um, I think they had to play something like 14, whatever I added up, 14 or 15 four-game and six-day sets. That's yeah. not easy. Yeah. And, and, I mean, the schedule is not going to be their friend. Um, we all know that. And and I, and I think that leads to a lot of this. And so sometimes you have to look at that and say, man, we played a lot of hockey here. And we have we talk about your best players. You need more from your best players. Well, when you're in games, your best players are on the ice. And, and so they're being fatigued. And, you know, I was looking this morning. Uh, you look at the top three teams in the league uh, or in this division, being Tampa, Carolina, and Florida. Dallas has 12 games left against that that trio columbus has 11 and chicago has nine and so that's who you have to get points from and yeah. try to help obviously you got to beat chicago columbus uh those teams. nashville's in that picture um but detroit is the team that you have to get points against right so mm-hmm. they've got four games against detroit columbus has got five games against columbus or against detroit and Chicago's got three of them. So it's so even. Like, you can't really count on that either. So, you know, it's about beating those guys. Their winning percentage, I think, is down to, like, 480, 490 right now. So, um, you know, and then I guess we can point at the overtime and the shootouts. <laughs> that, that hasn't been very friendly yeah. this year. Yeah. So it's- there's a lot of little things. That, and, again, I can sit here and nitpick and don't think that those guys aren't doing it 10 times more than I am, meaning the coaching staff. They're, they're pulling their hair out trying to figure out, what can we do to get us to three goals and defend well and win win hockey games like that? Well, if you're pulling your hair out trying to improve your beard game, I've got the right product for you. It's Ish oh, Beardworks. They make lightly uh, scented, handcrafted, all-natural men's grooming products for the man who wants to look good without smelling like a pine tree farted in his face. And guess what? They donate a portion of the profits to charities that support children in foster care and awaiting adoption. So, not only are you getting your beard game right, but you are also helping out kids in need as well. So go to ishbeardworks.com. That's ish, I-S-C-H, beardworks.com, and check everything that they have to take your beard game and hygiene to the next level. Ish Beardworks is the proud official sponsor of this official Dallas Stars Focus podcast and official creator of the baddest-ass beards in all of DFW. It's the Ish, so can you. Now, you know, we're talking about beards there, and one thing that's very, you know, related to beards is playoff hockey. So now I want to ask you, you know, because the trade deadline's coming up here in a little bit, and there's been, I've seen articles of, hey, is Jamie Alexiak going to be available because he's, you know, an unrestricted free agent this offseason, and just kind of talking about different pieces like maybe a Jason Dickinson that could help another team win. But if you want to try to make that push and if you want to be able to gain ground on guys like, Columbus and Chicago, you're going to need those players to make that push. What do you think the Dallas Stars should do to approach, you know, when they approach this trade deadline, how should they look at things uh, in the grand scheme of things? Would you sell or would you, would you, would you try to, would you, are they even a position where you think they could buy anything? What, what do you think this team should do at this moment in time, looking at the trade deadline? Well, last one first. I I don't think they're buyers, and, and I think yeah. and one of the main reasons right now. Well, a couple of main reasons, but Bishop's coming back. Ben's coming back. Or sorry, Tyler's coming back. So there's kind con- them numbers come off the books, and so I don't. Number one, I don't think they're going to have the money. 
Um, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. To be able to, to be able to go out and buy some players. Um, and I think in the situation that they've been in, I mean, they've been a 500 team for a long time. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, they're 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 winning percentage somewhere on 500. You're not necessarily a buyer at that time. And and but I would be very careful with the two guys that you mentioned because I think Jamie Oleksik has been great. I think it's been I great agree. this team since since he's come back from Pittsburgh when he left here and somebody there taught him how to play defense and, and understand his role. Um, I think he's been great. I, I think he he's always been able to move up the ice. He's got good hands. I think his instincts are really good. He brings that element of toughness. They know that if you're going to fight with him, it, it you know it's better be a big boy. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I think for Jason Dickinson, every time he's on the ice, he seems to stand out um, from an offensive standpoint. And again, yeah. it's about skating. Him and Rope Bay Hintz. I mean, those two guys offensively stand out. Robertson obviously stands out. But I think right now, I mean, and again, now you got to worry about um, expansion too. So you got a couple of these guys that you may lose. Who are you going to lose? Who are we going to protect? Right. Um, but I think when you just look at the standings of this whole thing and the uncertainty of, is my team going to get their shit together and get us into the playoffs? Right. I, I don't know if you can be either. I, I don't want to get. I don't want to send a message to the team and start trading guys away because then what you're basically doing is you're telling the guys in the room that we gave up on you and we don't think we're going to make the playoffs. So by making a trade here and there, a lot of times you're actually telling the group in there, "Hey, we believe in this group. We 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 think." But they're not going to go out <clears throat> and they're going to get a, a Panarin. Okay, they're they're not getting Drysaddle. They're not getting that kind of a player. I think the biggest moves that are going to be made uh, crossing your fingers are going to be Sagan and Bishop when they come back. That's right. like making a that, that's like making blockbuster moves. If those guys come back healthy, those are your trades. And, and I'm sure that's what they're looking down the road, but they're also counting on the 20 guys that are in the lineup every night to get us into the playoffs. So that yeah. when those <laughs> sorry, when those two guys come back, they can be factors. And again, then you're still crossing your fingers to make sure that they're up and running at speed and and they can do the things that they're supposed to do. So um, I think right now for, for Jim Nill, and he's not the only one there, there, I mean, and in every division, there's those two or three teams that are fighting to get in the limit. Chicago's thinking about it. Columbus is thinking about Nashville. Everybody's been talking about dump everybody in Nashville, except for Roman Yossi. Now all of a sudden they're back in the picture. Yeah. Kind of went off on this little run right now. <clears throat> so David Poyle's probably sitting upstairs going, Hmm. Maybe I just sit on this. Maybe I was going to get rid of that home. And they've got some good pieces. Ellis that they've talked about and, and kind of rebuilding, I guess you call it, or retooling. But now you're saying, well, gee, I don't want to move these guys because I don't want to take this away from my player. They've all, they're all digging in. They're, they're playing. We see them playing hard. Um, we're climbing back into the picture. So I think that that what you have to do is, you're, and you're going to run out of time at some point because what is the trade deadline, April 12th or something like that? Yeah. what it is. So what, do you, what does that give you? Two weeks. So I guarantee the phones have been ringing and all these teams. Uh, but again, you got to remember, you're not you're not dealing with anybody in Canada. We know that in the north. Yeah. Because by the time that player gets here, you know, you guys could be packing up and heading home. Right. Uh, right. You know, for what whatever the, 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 the period of uh, COVID, whatever they call that thing, where they got to sit up for a couple of weeks before they can quarantine. Play. Yeah, the quarantine thing. So, um, and then again, you're not, you're probably not going to make any big moves with the other three divisions that are all sitting in the top three spots because they're yeah. not going to get probably give you anything that's going to help you get there. I just think it's a tough year to do that. So, I, I think right. the teams that I think the team you could see, I mean, Tampa's up against it too. So, that, you know, they, they don't have any money, but I think if there's a couple teams in there that are sitting in the number two, number three hole right now and, and they're 
looking pretty good to to be able to jump into a playoff spot. Those may be your guys. I, there's not. Gonna, I don't believe there's going to be any blockbuster moves out there. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody's just trying to get through this this year and, and this season and then kind of see where it happens from there. And I think it's a good opportunity for the Stars to send a message to the locker room like, hey, we believe in this core. We understand you guys are playing under some insane circumstances this season, especially with all the postponements, whether it was COVID or an ice storm that hit Dallas, Texas, you know, and and caused, you know, I think four games to be, you know, mm-hmm. played later on and even make the schedule even more hectic. And I think also, you know, with Jamie Alexiak, you're in a you're in an interesting position where even if the stars did hold on to him, or even if they traded him, wherever he went, he would be obviously Seattle would look at him as a top four defenseman to join their club, but they would be taking a big risk because they could select him and then a couple weeks later he could just go sign where wherever he wanted, anyways. So yeah, it's well, uh, and again, but they can they can get him. I think they can get him soon enough to have uh, a period of time to be able to negotiate, and they can trade stuff for negotiating rights with them, so they can right. try to get him signed. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how that all works and how they can handle all that kind of stuff. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I look at him and Haskinen have been a great pair this year. I, I think they complement each other. I think what happens is. You know, Haskin is such a, a well-rounded defenseman, and I think it kind of brings Jamie into that whole thing too. And so he gets up the ice well. Um, you don't—that's the one thing you don't typically ever see Haskin and chasing back to his own net because he's mm-hmm. such a great skater. He can take chances, and you tell that defenseman those kind of those kind of legs that they can take more chances than others because they can get back into the play by the time it crosses their own blue line. There's just a couple guys that I've seen that that I, I'm thinking. You were such a good, solid guy for your partner yeah. that you're kind of chasing back now, and, and you're kind of getting away from what. There's reasons why you put certain people with certain people, and mm-hmm. I think for Alexiak, he's done a really good job of recognizing when Haskinen's involved in the rush, and so he's that guy that's back there. Um, and I think they kind of complement each other off that. So I think they've become a real good pair. And you know, are you going to be looking? We we got rid of him once, and we wanted him back. So why do we want to right. get rid of him back? Again, in my opinion, he's better than the the first few years he was here. So, if you get rid of a guy like that, a good number four, number five, or you know, can slide up to a number three at time, you're going to be looking for another one. And, and what's right. that going to cost you? You know. So again, what's it going to cost you to keep him too? So um, it'll be interesting. And I'm sure these are all questions. This is why those general managers get paid all this money and mm-hmm. to not sleep at night and have headaches every day and sit up there and. and and they're a little uh, the the nest up there and watch these games and get frustrated, be happy. You know, their, their emotions are all over the map. And so, um, but that's why they get paid the big money to make these kind of tough decisions. And another tough decision that I've seen floated out by different media members and even fans is the idea of trading John Klingberg before you have to try to pay him. But I don't really see any way that you could, the Dallas Stars could do that since he seems to be, you know, far and away one of their best players you know, I mean, the way that he's able to control the puck on, you know, on the power play, I think he's the best stick handler on the team. Maybe Rope Hintz is the is the only one that could, you know, really hold a candle to him. But when he's got the puck, I mean, he can take games over. You know, he does turn the puck over and things like that, which frustrates fans. But I mean, do you agree with me that there's no way that you? I mean, you should try to lock John Klingberg up, right? Listen, there, there's been a few players in the in the NHL history that have been traded that we thought would never would <laughs> never would have been moved. And <clears throat> starting with Wayne Gretzky, the day right. that Gretzky got traded, that just opened the doors up. Yeah. Anybody can anybody traded. can now, get traded. Yeah. <clears throat> so I would say this about Klinger. I'm very fond of John Klingberg. 
I think you have to know who Klinger is. And I get it. There are times, and, and he's one of the guys I'm talking about. There's times when Klinger's jumping up the ice, and it's a 1-1 game. And, yeah. and I get it, making it 2-1. to But I'm like, maybe it's not the time yet. Like, like So it's just about that. But I don't know how you replace John. I, you know, I don't. Right. I, I, and when we, I, I'll, I always use Eric Carlson for, for an example in San Jose. And he's a great offensive guy, but, man, he's a liability every time he's on the ice for pucks to go in his own net. And and he makes $10 million a year. God bless him for that too. But I think injuries have been part of that. So it's not fair to jump on him. But I think when it, when you talk about Klinger, the way he can control, I, I don't know where you're going to get another power play guy that can do the things he can do, the plays that he can make. I think if you traded, uh, if you moved Klinger and you didn't get, an, uh, and I don't know who that piece would be back, I think the guys that are the most upset are the Pavelskis, are going to be the Sagans, are the Benz, right. you know, the Hintzes, the Garyanas that, that because, and I don't, I, I want to be careful comparing him to Zuby. Um, like when I'm, I'm talking offensively, like yeah. he's like a, he's like a Zuby offensively. And, and, but he probably, Collier skates a little bit more north south than Zuby would. Zuby, Zuby could stop his feet and he could just go east west and make everybody miss. I mean, he was unbelievable. And, you know, that, that's why Zubov is a Hall of Famer. And, um, and his jerseys hanging in the, in the bleachers, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, are in the stands here. So, um, but, but Klinger offensively, uh, it would be tough to replace him, obviously. And I do believe that over the last couple of years, he has paid more attention to what he does in his own zone and coming back the other way. But I think when you have players like that, they get a little bit more rope to make mistakes. And that's why you put them with guys like Essa Lindell. And so I think Essa's the guy that's got to tighten his game up a little bit right now for me, um, because he's starting to play a little bit more like Klinger and kind of get up involved. But again, that, those messages come from coaching staff too. And so, so they're doing what they're being asked. Um, so, but I think you have to know why you're with a certain, but as defensemen, I know why I played with Zuba. I know why I played with this guy or that guy. It, and it's to kind of complement each other. And and so you have to be able to know how to play a two-on-one at times because we expect him to get up involved in that play. And, and that just comes with that territory. And then just like Klinger, we expect you to be part of that rush, but we expect you to to read it too and the time and score. And, and um, you know, so it's always about risk-reward. And so you have you have to outweigh the the risk and the reward and those kind of plays. And sometimes I think that just uh, kind of goes away at times.